just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Garoppolo over the middle. Let's call it check. Can he get in? Yes, he can. Touchdown, San Francisco. They sent four. Seven back. Rodgers fires over the middle. Caught Adams. Adams will try to get out of bounds. He's at the 49-yard line. He stopped there. Rodgers fires. Caught. You got to go. 32. He gives himself up. Crosby to try to win it. And the kick is good to win the game. All Aaron needed was 37 seconds. What a game. 37 seconds left. And all you need to do is get into field goal range. So what's your first thought? Throw it to Tate. That's my first thought. Uh, you know, Matt, Matt actually suggested I play on the sideline uh, for that first play, which was something we actually worked on Friday practice, kind of scribbling in the dirt. And it worked out perfect. Uh, just put it right over Fred. So it got us kind of down there a little bit. We needed one more play. Um, how could he not be romantic about football, man? Yeah, you always worry with uh, Aaron on the other side. Uh, that's why we didn't use any timeouts. We're hoping to take it down, but it was a hell of effort by Juice to get in. Obviously, you want to score there, but was that play call designed just to get closer? Was it, did you think it had a chance to go? I mean, I think he hit the last guy in the progression on the check down. Juice just had a hell of an effort running after the catch. Do for you this plan after the poor start to the season? Yeah. Give some legitimacy to some of the things we've been talking about. That that was kind of an aberration and that we are a talented football team. Energy in the locker room post game, that felt like a win. You know, it felt like there was such a growth moment for us. I'm really, really happy for the guys to feel that. And, you know, it feels like, okay, now we're on our way. Now, now we can get into this. Now we know how to win. Uh, and we can get this thing moving in the right direction. Hey, Michael, let's go micro before we go macro. Uh, yeah. We play Monday morning quarterback on Mondays. Uh, we typically, or armchair quarterback, whichever you prefer, uh, we typically play the blame game. Blame game. Um, that wasn't about blame last night. That was about brilliance. Uh, I think the 49ers executed perfect game management. Only problem was the perfect quarterback who makes perfect throws to a perfect running mate executed perfectly to set up the game-winning field goal. Um, was it too much time? Yeah, because they got Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> the Niners, yeah. the, I, I mean, the, the, the idea that somehow Kyle Juszczyk or Jimmy Garoppolo or Kyle Shanahan could have... <laughs> Yeah, right, it's like, right. don't score. You're down six, but wait, don't score. don't score. Not yet, not yet, because because you're definitely going to score on the next play. No way you you're can definitely have a gonna score on the next play. Next play. 
Right, 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 right. No, right, no, exactly. no, no way you could, no way anything could go wrong. You know, you're down six, but trust me, you want to take it all the way down so you have one last play to score. Like, no, he had to score. They left 37 seconds. Rodgers has no timeouts. It's not the Niners' fault. It just goes to show how brilliant and how remarkable he is in those situations that not only could he do it, but we all knew he would do it. Everybody in the building knew he was perfectly capable of doing it. And on a macro level, Michael, thank God dude didn't retire because it's a pleasure talking about how can how can yeah. you not be romantic about football? How can you not love watching Aaron Rodgers do his thing at the end of games? I'm so happy for that dude, man. I don't even know why. I'm just so happy for him uh, after the last two games. And look, you can call him petty if you want. It's clear to me that he is still bothered by some of the commentary that took place. As he should be. At, you know, leading up to leading up to game one where they lose to the Saints in Jacksonville and then after game one including some of the you know some of the folks you think are your kinfolk not necessarily wear the same uniform they got the same right, uniform all, color all, they go, all we, skin we go, folk and kinfolk <laughs> we're gonna remix this thing yeah. we're gonna remix a little yeah, bit yeah. they all wearing green yeah. they all wearing green but they ain't really right. down with you so every brother ain't a brother might as well be on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, and so uh, fear of a Packer planet, I guess it is, because this is what's coming now. This is what's coming now. You got you've got a revived, re-energized Aaron Rodgers. That's why you know my favorite part of last night, that final drive. It wasn't a beautiful pass, the first pass uh, to, to Devontae Adams. That wasn't it. Uh, it wasn't the pass. They got him into field goal range. You know, oh, what I know was, what it was. was after it was the pass. pump. It was the pump. Go ahead. It was the pump. Right after, right after he spiked it. It was the. It was that. It was. I. I it was that. Yeah, like was we like, got this. That's it. Yeah. Ooh, Let, we yeah. got this. He knew I'm thinking, Yes. Yes. It's yeah. a great moment for him. It's a great moment for Crosby. Look, this is a 51-yard field goal. I know. I know. 51 yards. Okay. Uh, 51 yards today, on the same day. Where a brother made a 66 yarder in a dome, though, right. uh, made a 66 yarder is is not supposed to be intimidate, but still 50 plus yard field goal. He sets yeah. it up. Here it is. Now watch right. Aaron Rodgers. Right. Look at him. Little spike. He knew. He's like, that's it. Oh, that's it. We got it. He's I'm like, gonna I rush know, my, I know okay. we got this. You got it. So it's the same as in basketball where you have those great players, whether it's Kobe or you know, Kobe or it's LeBron, where they hit somebody in the corner wide open for a three and they start running down the court. Like, I know you got mm -hmm. it. I know you got oh, it. You're yeah. my guy. You're going to make the three. Right. And that's or what it was. if you're Steph Curry, you, t you turn around and look at the bench. You just, you just turn around and start shimmy. You just know it's going Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know what's going in. Yeah. But they're back. The Packers are back. I like their mentality. I like... Uh, the way Aaron Rodgers is not just playing, because I knew Aaron Rodgers could play. I the way he's talking. I like the way he's talking. Oh, leading. I like the. I'll say, I'll say leading. But you know what, Michael? We, uh, was this mm. one, one, one small thing about this. You know, don't call it a comeback. They've been here for years. They, they never left. They can't right. be back because they never left. And for me, the people I do blame are the people, present company not included, because I don't believe you did, as I recall. I don't believe you did. But the people who overreacted to the first game of the season when they lost to a right. team that is perfectly capable, as the Patriots know, 
of doing that to you. I told you, I, to, I, I said yeah. this after week one. If you watch the game, it was a funky game that got away from him. It doesn't mean that Aaron Rodgers has a funky attitude. But the greatest trick the devil ever pulled, the devil ever pulled, was convincing the world that, that media are unbiased, that media are objective. Because all, and, and, and media nowadays does include a lot of former teammates. It does include a lot of former athletes. It does include a lot of people with access to grind. How can you look at that dude last night? And say that he's checked out, that he doesn't care. But to your point, this is galvanizing because now not only is it us against them, as in the locker room, or at minimum, Jordan and Pippen, i.e., Rodgers and Adams, us against Murphy and Gutekunst. No, now it's us against the world. Because even though we went 13 and 3 the last two years, even though we've been in the last two NFC Championship games, even though we were a favorite, People have written us off after one game. So they're going to they milk that for all it's worth. And then you go get a win like last night. When, oh, well, we'll see what the Packers are really about on Sunday night against San Francisco. We'll see if they're contenders in week three. Oh, they'll, beating the Lions was nothing. Are they really? Come on, man. They got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. The most gifted performer at the position Evan. that I've ever seen. Yeah. And, he, and he validated that again last night. Dude is legendary. So however we got here, I'm just glad he's still doing that in a Packers uniform for our sake. The reason why you're happy for that dude, Michael, I'll answer the question. The reason why you're happy for that dude is you're happy for us because it is our privilege to continue witnessing this dude's brilliance as opposed to him on some damn game show asking question, uh, answer. 37 game seconds. Show, what is an eternity for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, no. Thank, thank goodness that that all worked out at least for the time being. And that is, I know you didn't want to go, uh, you want to go micro, not macro. Uh, let me just stick with the macro. No, we, we're say both. That we're both, yeah. He was in Northern California. He was in Northern California last night. Uh, he knows the area very well, spent his college years at Cal, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, okay, very familiar ground, familiar terrain for Aaron Rodgers. Well, Aaron, get ready to go back there. I'm, I haven't seen anything yet, including game one. I haven't seen anything yet to convince me that the Green Bay Packers are not going to the Super Bowl. Yes, they will be in Los Angeles. Uh, we will be there yeah, you did pick in them, February. Then you pick yes, them. You, I had, did. you had Packers over Browns. Packers right? and the Browns. Packers and the Browns. Yeah. And the Packers yeah, win. You did. A classic, a classic Super Bowl matchup. So now wait, I don't remember. Uh, did yeah, you, I'm, did I'm, you tell me that's it? Does he ride off into the? Does he? Does he John Elway this thing and ride off into the sunset, no, no. or does he still force a trade? No, he John Elway's. No, he John Elway's this thing in a different way, where he goes to play for <laughs> the team that John Elway. Oh, he goes to play for the Broncos. He is. No, he's not leaving. He's not going to retire. No. Okay. No, he's not going to. That'd be a hell of a walk off shot. That'd be a, that'd be a hell of a walk off shot. Um, yeah. That, no. Listen, your, your pick. Your pick is looking pretty good right now. The bottom line is that guy is it's not it's honestly 37 seconds and no timeouts is supposed to be the position that you want to be in with the lead. When you, when the other team has 37 seconds and no timeouts, that's supposed to be an advantageous position. It speaks to the brilliance of Aaron Rodgers that it wasn't that he made it look so easy to move into field goal range. And like you said, 51 yards become a chip shot, but it's still a pressure kick and props to Mason Crosby. And I know we'll talk about kickers in a second, but the fact that 
he made it look so easy that it was such a foregone conclusion is is not about all the Niners messed up by mismanaging those like no they had to score but the other guy is just that good and sometimes all you can do is tip your cap you can't rationalize it. you can't what if it you can't try to say oh well if they could have would have no Aaron well, Rodgers simple as that Aaron Rodgers why Kyle Shanahan you also have to think about you know you also have to think about how they got into that position it's not like they now I know they moved down the field. It was a great drive, but there were a couple of amazing plays on that drive. Third down, two third down situations. One, third down to Kittle, where he just it looked like he was about to score oh, there. Yeah. It was hard to bring him down. Yeah. So that's a third down play. Another third down play, uh, Debo Samuel, great catch where, with the defender all over him. He still just snatches yeah. the ball. He deboed it basically. Extends the drive. So right. So it's not like oh hey uh, go down. When you get close to the goal line, we'll call a timeout, and it's just going to be easy right. for us to get into the end zone because this drive they setting up has a been field nothing goal. for us to, to navigate. Well, no, it, it, it's, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. the easiest drive to do. So we don't. It, right. it's so hard, especially in the red zone, it's hard to, to score, and they were able to do it. That was right. their opportunity. Who knows? Maybe, Mike, they, run, they get into a situation where they have a couple of shots at it. Now – it's third down. They don't even have a get to a fourth down situation. Now it's third down, and they got one shot to get into the end zone. You don't know. Maybe take. Yeah. Maybe Garoppolo you, takes a sack. False start. You don't know. They could have fumbled a snap. Who knows? All right. Uh, elsewhere in the NFC, I warned you. I told you last week, Michael. You told me that, and I know you're in Boston, so I know it's really hard. But I told yeah. you we were looking. Mm-hmm way too far ahead to week four and looking past yeah. both the Rams and the Saints vis-a-vis well, the Bucks the Saints. and the Patriots. But before we look back to yesterday, I want to rewind it a little farther back if, if, if you would uh, indulge me just for a moment, okay? All right. Okay, let's do it. Matthew Stafford is underrated, and I'm sick and tired of you, by extension, Jason Johnson, uh, freaking Rodney Harrison, and Teddy Harrison. All of y'all put some respect. I'm bringing back baby. Put some respect. Birdman. I'm bringing back Birdman. Put some respect on Rodney, on Matthew Stafford's name and his resume, and he will prove all of y'all wrong playing with the Rams. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this resume. Look at this. Okay. In Detroit. Who said stats are for losers? In Detroit. That. But uh, anyway, let me Second high. Look at that. Okay. Look at the fourth one. Look at the fourth one. Second highest passer rating under pressure last year. That's great. Keep that. Keep that. Keep that chart up there. Um, can we add? Do I, can, can I get some? Can I just write something in? Can I, you allow me to write in? Can I write in his playoff wins? Where is he right there? How many playoff how wins he got? Oh, so elitist. How, he about to have, how he many? About, he about to have three, four of them this year. You know what? Sign he me up. Have, I'm a Rams fan this year. I'm a Rams I, fan I, this I, year. And I'm a Lions out- fan. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, I also recall that you were extremely critical of the Rams for trading Jared Goff two first round picks and absorbing I believe a 25 million dollar cap hit saying that well Matthew Stafford's not an upgrade he's not an upgrade they went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff he's not an upgrade I just wonder if you feel that way after watching him go for four touchdowns 
yesterday uh, and, and have the highest total QBR in the league. I know you don't believe in stats, but highest okay. total QBR in the league. He's got a passer rating I believe of 130 stats. out this mug. Nine touchdowns, nine, nine touchdowns through three yeah. games. Um, I just wonder if you're still feeling that that while you watch the rest of the world, you know, put him in the MVP conversation. Before before we get to Matthew Stafford, can I just say that nobody circles the I told you so wagons like Michael Smith, the the most I told you so dude I've ever met. As a matter of fact, do you have like a spreadsheet where like maybe some of the folks at MIT right down the street from me develop for you? Do you have alerts? Do you have Google alerts in the morning where something happens in the world and you say, oh, I was responsible for that. I told somebody that. I mean, I've never seen anybody who needs credit more than Michael Smith. Hey, did you, which no. one did you invent? No. The, it, did you invent Instagram, Twitter, or both? Like, wh- no. what are you no. responsible no. for? No, no, was no, it, hold on, hold on. Was hold it on. TV? Hold on, hold on. The written word. I reject that. Fire. I reject, <laughs> I reject and rebuke this. <laughs> I reject and rebuke this. You know why? Which because one was <laughs> I can't help, see, one of us listens to oh, everything on this show. I listen to everything. Okay. I remember everything. Right. I can't help Apparently you that didn't. I have a tape recorder for our memory. When you have gotten things you. right, ra- rare though it is, when you've gotten yeah. things right, I do the same thing. I run it back. So bro. I'm the first person to say, go find Michael Holly when he said X, Y, and Z. Because like in spades, I pick out the book. I know exactly what you're saying when you say it because okay. I was there. Let me ask you So this. I give you your props. Let me ask you this. If you had a higher batting average, maybe there'd be less I told you so's. That's all I'm saying. Batting average. I mean, I, I, what you want me to you do? Were, you said it. What you want me to do? Let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm disappointed, first of all, that you said that because if you were a true <laughs> student of analytics, you would know the batting average is not is not the, the biggest measure of offensive impact. You would know that. I'm just You're disappointed because right. no, I know you, how much. Wait. I know how much you, you are. Love, honestly? Because I slug it. No, you know, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. Hold on. And Gary, I know we up against the break, but I got to give Michael a chance to respond to this. But before, but before we go, I'm glad you said that because I love that. I love that analogy about analytics because you are very much a 2021 analyst. You have, you, you're hitting about, about 275, 280. You hit home runs. You swing for the fences. There, you might not. You might not be the biggest on base guy. You may not be an average guy. And, and, but when you get them right, you get them right. Strikeouts. Well, let me ask Strike, you. This. Yes, Mike. yes. But you, you, when you get them right, you you hit them out the park. I will give you that. From that, from that clip we just showed. I know it was a it was a lar- it was a much larger conversation about Matthew Stafford and maybe some there were some cheap shots in there about you know being a dome guy, not being tough and all this stuff. That's just fun. That's just, that, that's just the price of doing business. You gotta, you gotta, you know, put on a little something extra, just because. Huh. But what huh. from that clip is not true today? Matthew Stafford always was a stat guy. He always had great stats. One year, he threw for five thousand yards. He had forty-one touchdowns one year. I mean, Matthew Stafford, as you put it, as we saw on that chart, lots of impressive numbers. But he will be defined by what he, where he takes the Rams. That's why they made the move, right? They made the move because yes. they're trying to get they're trying to go somewhere where Jared Goff couldn't take them. Jared Goff got them to a Super Bowl. I know Sean right. McVay thinks he did right. it. I know he thinks okay. he was on the field. I know he so thinks he really got them uh, in the position. But he hadn't done anything. That haven't I've seen Jared Goff I mean, excuse me. I've seen Matthew Stafford light it up before. I've seen that. He is a 
He is a, a good looking quarterback. He's got a great arm and he has put up big stats. He's done that before. He's won some games before. He's gotten his team to the playoffs. The separator is big playoff wins. And when he does that, uh, I will give him, I'll give him all the, uh, you so and him, it. you first. You'll see it when you believe it, is what you're telling me. You'll see it you when you first. believe it. That's, that's, that's what you're saying. Right. You'll see it when you believe it. Uh, okay, I mean, listen, right. facts, it's week three. You're right. But I think you would at least acknowledge this. They're a much scarier and formidable team good. than they would have been. Uh, you take them more seriously with Stafford than you do with Goff. You at least Man, will give them that, right? Poor Jared Goff. Man, I, I, you know, Jared Goff is like, that's my dude. Leave Jared Goff alone. Leave him alone. A Pro Bowl playoff Is that the winning you quarterback. Die on? Hey, hey, listen. You listen wanna, okay. Jared Goff. If Jared Goff can just say, "Hey, check his alerts and say, wait, hey, hey, y'all, um, did Stafford win a playoff game like I did? Has he done anything on the road? Has he won a road playoff game? We went to New Orleans, got a little bit of help from the officials. That's all right. We went to New Orleans in the NFC Championship game and won it, and it was so impressive and so impactful." People in New Orleans still crying about it. Come on. Jared Goff, get that man, get that man some flowers. Give him a flower. How about a flower for, for Jared Goff? Can't get nothing. Can't get a single rose, a, a, a peony, nothing. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, just a peak? <laughs> just a peak? Uh, I mean, no, <laughs> um, no. I mean, listen, he's, Jared Goff is fine. He's fine. But the Rams didn't want fine. He's fine. They wanted Okay. They wanted great. And Matthew Stafford looks so great playing for Sean McVay, so barely getting touched behind an offensive line with those receivers, with that defense. He looks great. And maybe we see two straight seasons of a home team in the Super Bowl. I mean, if nothing else, pretty sure I called Matthew Stafford as my preseason MVP. So just so you know, I'm still saving room on this bandwagon right next to me if you want. But hurry up because pretty soon you might have to stand up. While we're uh, in okay. the, while, we're, while, while I'm saying I told you so, uh, but this isn't I told you so because it could still happen. It could still happen. Uh, on the flip side, I mentioned the Saints. Do you still feel? Because you said this in passing, but again, I heard it because I listened. Do you still feel okay. like the Patriots have something for the Bucks? We'll get into Patriots Bucks later on. But after no. what you saw the Saints do to the Patriots yesterday, no. do you still feel like no, they I got the, the, the Patriots got something for the Bucks? Okay. I didn't think so. They got okay. they, they, handshakes. Maybe. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> ribs, and, ribs and barbecue, baby. Ribs and barbecue. <laughs> rocks and blunts. Rocks, rocks and blunts. <laughs> That's about it. No, no, they ain't got nothing for them. Um, yeah, that, we, ooh, it's, it's so much. I know we're late. I know we're late. There's just so much to say about the Patriots. I mean, this game, Patriots, Bucks, we can talk about it, but the Patriots specifically. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, we got Doesn't problems and situations. No, it doesn't, doesn't look doesn't good. Look All good. Right. You know why? Because it's not good. Because it's not good. All right. Uh, break time. We're overdue. It's not going to be good. But before we go to break, look, Jameis Winston, man, you know that's my quarterback. I mean, the dude is the dude is a comedian. In another lifetime, he was a comedian. If you didn't know that Jameis Winston was a church-going dude, and when the reverend says to Jameis Winston, turn to your neighbor, Jameis one of those dudes that actually does it. Okay, this was pregame yesterday. <laughs> Come on, play for yourself. Man, think about it, man. You waited your whole life for this. Man. You were built for this. Yes, You've been working for this moment. 
Demario Davis's altar if he had money. He'd exactly. walk up to the altar and put, hey. put some money up there. Finish, finish, finish the verse, finish the uh, scripture before the preacher does. That's right. That's what he said. Hey, Amen. <laughs> That's right. You te- you're teaching. You're teaching good, Doc. You're teaching good. <laughs> A 66 yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good. Off the crossbar and it tumbles through. It is good. Time has expired. Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history. The hay is in the barn, and it's mayhem on the field. Hey, guys, pick him up. Pick him up and just carry him around the Mike, I, I gotta tell you, um, Justin Tucker. Yeah, you know, John Harbaugh's right. Nobody's seen a 66-yarder, because I believe Matthew Prater uh, hit a 64-yarder eight years ago. So 64 was the previous record in 2013. This is a 66-yarder, and it probably is either tied for the most impressive thing to happen in that game, or maybe even number two. There's, there's a stat right there. Number two Fourth and 19. is... The fourth and 19. The fourth and 19. 36-yard gain on fourth and 19. That they picked up to put them in position. Hey, man, hold on. Where's Tom Dempsey? Time out. We got to make that graphic longer. We got to make that. that. Y'all better make some room for Tom Dempsey with his half a foot. (laughs) Kicking it from 63 for the Saints. Okay. Y'all better better add him to that. I, I I get that people have tied it. The record was 63 from Tom Dempsey. It anyway, continue. We had it memorized. So Tucker, and you saw there where he is from 50 yards out, 44 of 62 in his career from 50 plus, which is amazing. But you know yeah. what? The most amazing stat to me, did you see this stat uh, from Tucker where he's 16 for 16 in clutch situations the last two minutes on winning on clutch kicks? He's 16 for 16. So, yeah, That's we haven't good. seen a 66-yarder before, but yeah. this kicker, when it's on the line, delivers for the Baltimore Ravens. And the other thing I want to say about kickers is like, uh, there was a commercial. Who was the guy from Philadelphia? There was a great commercial for fantasy football. He comes and he said, you need a kicker. Philadelphia. <laughs> was it David Akers? Uh, when they were doing fantasy football, you're going to draft. Hey, yeah. He was like, hey, you need yeah. a kicker. And it was almost like, yeah. you know what it's, you know how it goes in fantasy football. 
the last two positions oh, to go, defense and kickers. And you no, don't Tucker, draft those Tucker's, positions Tucker, You pick Tucker or you stream them. Tucker, you pick early. Yeah. You ain't got to tell me about Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker in 2013 when he kicked the 61-yarder on Monday night at Detroit, I will never forget that because he won me a fantasy football playoff game. So I've always put off a Justin Tucker, who, side note, yeah, you may know this, is one of the most interesting individuals in football. All right, fascinating guy. All right, uh, kickers. Want but to I'm so this glad you, but, you talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. Mm. I'll just, I'll just I'll say the stat and then you tell me why you're so glad that Jesus lifted you. Okay, hold on one second. Uh, well, there so there have already been <laughs> there have already been ten go-ahead field goals in the final ten seconds of regulation or overtime this season, mm. most through week three since the 1970 merger. So if it feels like these games are coming down to game-winning kicks a lot, it's because they are. You're so glad because what? There we go. And it's that, that, that's a perfect stat. Sets me up nicely. Most games in the NFL, your average game is decided by eight points or fewer. Eight points. So that's one possession. A turnover, a turnover, a turnover will turn a victory into a loss. Uh, good special teams. A good kicker will turn a loss into a victory. So it's just, it all comes together. One of the best organizations in football, the Baltimore Ravens, led by a former special teams coach in John Harbaugh with one of the best, if not the best kicker in football, Justin Tucker, coming together to produce this victory. And uh, Detroit Lions, this is a little side note, this is for free. Because I think they are trying. They are trying to turn things around in Detroit. You know, bring in Dan oh, they Campbell bite with kneecaps. a little fire. Oh, they definitely bite yeah. kneecaps. You know, hey, they, they fight, we're going to bite fight. kneecaps. Yeah. Jared Goff, yeah. talking about the gut punch, and, and Brad Holmes, new general manager, all these folks coming in, trying to do it the right way. Well, listen, if you want to stay, from, uh, stay away from embarrassing situations, like you did yesterday, when Calvin Johnson comes out to get honored and... And the owner of the team can't even complete a sentence without everybody in the, in the stadium saying, oh, sit down somewhere. In so many words, go sit down somewhere. We don't want to hear from you. Okay, we don't believe right. you. You need more people. Get out of here, right? If you want to avoid those situations, pay attention to what Baltimore has done. You played Baltimore as well as you could play them. You did a lot of things right, but it was a, a, a head coach, who believes in special teams and it was a kicker. That was the difference between a win and a loss yesterday and fourth and 19 and just all sorts of winning plays in the last two and a half, yep. three minutes to put Baltimore in position we, to win it. I'm happy. For we him. would be remiss. I'm for we, but, I, but, but I'm glad we, we for fourth and 19 and a 66 yard field goal off the crossbar sandwiched in between that was a glaring omission omission uh, by the officials, a glaring oversight by the officials should have been in the delay, delay of game, yep. should not have come right. down to their field goal. But again, right. they wouldn't. They're not in that position if not for fourth and nineteen. And Tucker made a sixty-six yard. A couple of things I want to say real quick. Justin Tucker, and you know, every now and then a kicker comes around. I know I'm about to speak your language about a guy that you know very well and owe a great deal of th- thanks and gratitude to is Adam Vinatieri. We used to always say about Adam Vinatieri that Adam Vinatieri wasn't a kicker; he was a football player. Right, he had that kind of respect mm-hmm. in the locker room. Justin Tucker is the same thing. Justin Tucker is one of the best football players, regardless of position, in the NFL. He's not just a kicker. Like he's a weapon 
uh, as a field goal kicker. That's number one. Number two, uh, don't ever turn off a Ravens game. I think if nothing else about this team, you've learned that through three weeks. Don't ever leave a Ravens game early. Uh, and number three, the Ravens have um, the look of destiny about them. See, Michael, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about my romantic history. And when it comes to women, I've never had a type. I think you know this. I've never had a type. I've never had a type in terms of physical. I've never had a type in terms of personality. I, I like I, I, I'm equal opportunity, right? Uh, okay. With teams, right. though, I do have a type. With teams, I do have a you type. You were talking to somebody like about team. this? You were talking to somebody about this, though? Yeah. Okay. Retro, it was, okay. We're talking That's about in hindsight, like looking back, like not current. I'm okay. just saying like how Way I back. used to be. Long time okay. ago. Before long I found the one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. long, long okay. time ago. Long, long, long time ago. Long time um, ago. I like my teams, though. I like my teams that do it the hard way. See, to me, you learn more about a team when they win the way the Ravens have won these last two than when they win going away. Like the Ravens, I mean, you look at all of their injuries, and then last week, I think, I think on Friday, they put four key defensive players on the COVID list on Friday, yeah. you know? And people look at it like, oh, you're going to devour the Lions because they're the Lions. Well, we've talked about it. They're not the same old Lions. They got, well, the Lions have always fought, quiet as it's kept. But this team is competitive. This team makes it difficult as San Francisco, as Green Bay for a half, and now as Baltimore. They're no easy, they're, not, they're no pushover, right? So, oh, but, you know, they're going to eat against the Lions. It's never that easy. And to me, a Ravens team that is finding ways to win, finding ways to convert a fourth and 19, finding ways to overcome a deficit against Kansas City, finding ways to make game-winning field goals. I know they lost uh, in overtime. They had the blown coverage against the Raiders and, and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, this team, there's a character that's always been present in this organization. But this team in particular, Despite the injuries, despite some of the shortcomings, God, I wish Marquise Brown could catch. Despite some of the shortcomings, I've said it before, I'll say it again. They're going to be there at the end. And maybe this is the year Always. Where, Pat, where, where Lamar Jackson uh, takes it a step, a step further. I want to take it, though, uh, to another game. It looked like, it looked like another game was going to come down to a field goal, but it didn't because... Um, Brandon Staley was coaching as if it was Madden, like for real, for real. Like he was just like, nah, we going yeah. for this. You know what I mean? Like, nah, like, nah, we going for the touchdown. Although it turns out that was a Justin Herbert audible for the touchdown pass to Mike Williams. But before we get into that game and what that game means, do you remember Patrick Mahomes from Lake Tahoe? In case you missed it, in case you forgot. Watch out for Justin Herbert next year. I'll see it when I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> he said look out for Justin, Justin Herbert. I think uh, I think what he meant was I believe it when I see it. So this was unbelievable. You know, yeah. 36 seconds, almost pretty much the same situation, except they're tied. So similar situation to what we saw Green Bay face it against Rodgers last night. Or, or excuse me, San Francisco face it against Rodgers last night. But Herbert decides, now nah, I'm going up top to Mike Williams. So at least 32 seconds on the clock instead of running it all the way down when all they needed was a chip shot field goal. And that way, there was no way Patrick Mahomes would have gotten the ball back. He did get it back. They tried to help Mary. Chargers got away with a pass interference. All's well that ends well. They end up winning the game, and Patrick Mahomes seems to have been won over by Justin Herbert. Here's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, okay. Um, so, bottom line is. 
Patrick Mahomes, what he essentially said was, what can you say? I guess I'm a believer now. Something to that extent. Um, what, did, what did that, what was the, the, the significance of that game uh, for you, that win for the Chargers yesterday, which puts the Chiefs in last place for the first time yeah. in like forever. Chargers go in the arrowhead um, and Justin Herbert throws the game winning touchdown. Brandon Staley gave no F's when it came to how aggressive he was yesterday. Right. Did the Chargers serve notice? Look, the significance is it, uh, th- it was against a divisional opponent. And look, these, these things have happened. This is not new. Anytime you have a dominant team in your division, uh, a couple of things happen. One, uh, dominant teams usually just take over. They don't win just like a division title or two. They usually, have a, they usually become hoarders. So as long as uh, that team dominates, whether it was the uh, 49ers in the old NFC West, you remember the Saints were there with them, okay? So the Niners, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, the Niners and Saints, and you're like, oh, my God, we know we ain't going to win a division because the Niners are around. Whether it was the Niners, whether it was the Steelers in the old AFC Central, the Patriots in the AFC East, or the Chiefs right now, when you got that dominant team, the rest of the division just says, oh, my, we're all playing for second place. And they either learn to match their competitive uh, standard, which is higher than everybody else's in the division, or they just fold over. They just roll over and say, we can't handle it. And they get steamrolled. And that's what Kansas City has done against the AFC West. Look at their, look at their record against Denver, Oakland, slash Las Vegas, and San Diego, slash uh, Los Angeles. The last three or four years, it's pretty ugly. And Kansas City has stomped these teams. So to go in yeah. there and win and to win in that fashion gives them all confidence, makes them believe that, hey, this is not a temporary thing. You just ain't in last place because it's September. If we keep playing like this, because we've learned from you, we've watched what you guys have done. Maybe we don't have the talent that you have, but we've learned from your mentality and we're going to apply it. We're going to execute. And if we can keep this going, yeah. maybe the next time we play, it'll be for something. So yeah, I mean, it's a big well, win. Of, Even though it's this September, this is huge. Yeah, no, I don't, well, it's in Arrowhead. I don't, I don't think you'd overstate a couple of things. One, um, as we go to break, is what I think we, you should have already known. If you didn't, if you didn't know, now you know that they got a guy in Justin Herbert. Okay, they got a Woo. guy. They got a guy that can go like toe to toe with the best of. Them. I see it and I and believe. Coach, it. I see it and believe it. They got a guy who ain't never scared, but. What they did yesterday to me was defensively. I mean, four turnovers. Kansas City didn't deserve to win that game. Two picks from Mahomes. I know one of them was a no-look pass off a receiver's hand. Two picks from Mahomes. Uh, two fumbles. One by Claude Edwards-Hilaire. One by Tyreek Hill. Their defense, which has always been talented, came to play. So this is shaping up to be a rivalry. You know, we thought the Chiefs were inevitable. That it was just they were just gonna cakewalk, you know, through the division and elsewhere. I mean, if you look at the division right now, they're in last place. At the top is the undefeated Broncos, yeah. the undefeated Raiders, and the two and one Chargers. Like, there's a rivalry brewing. The Raiders car's a little bit older. Hey. Uh, Bridgewater, we'll see if, if he's the guy long term in Denver, but LA, Kansas City? Oh yeah, we got something with these quick two question guys. For you. We got something. Real yeah, quick question. Ahead. Real quick a quick question as we head out. I'll make a quick um, answer because we gotta what go. What they break. do what they do at McDonough 35 when the back fumbled all the time? You have to walk around the hall with the football. You have to run the stairs, run some like hills. Like in the program. 
Yeah, like in the program. Edward Zelaire. Come hey, yeah. you better you better hold on to it. You'll be yeah. walking around Kansas City with a football at all times. He might lose his job. Watch out. I mean not cut. I'm just talking about he may lose his starting right. position. Well, they ain't got nobody else. Too big when, Stan, when, they, when they threw that touchdown pass at the end, I'm like, they what get is somebody? Stanley doing? Like, go. Hey. I'm like, go for the field goal. Hey. It's crazy. It's the pros. All right. Break. It's the pros. They get somebody. You better watch. We just weren't executed when we got to the red zone. Um, the play that I threw to Kemp, just, a, I mean, I tad behind him, and it kind of popped up in the air and got an interception. Probably if he catches it, probably it's a touchdown. Uh, the, the run that uh, Clyde had, um, he, he makes a guy miss, makes a great run, got spun weird, ball comes out. Uh, he throws the ball to Tyreek, who never fumbles, and he gets the ball perfectly hit at the perfect time to fumble. So, I mean, it's not like uh, we weren't doing things the right way like we always do. Um, we, just aren't, we just didn't execute whenever it came down to it. Um, you know, I, I think that's one way to look at it, but I think it's it's always an opportunity. The, the football season's so long that you have to forget about the last one, and you have to move on. You have to learn from it, and if you let that team beat you again, you're not doing yourself a service. And, and so I thought the guys did a great job attacking this week of practice, knowing that we were going up against an incredible team with a great offense, great defense. Um, so we gave them the right amount of respect. We watched a bunch of film. We went out there and executed, and I think good things will happen now. No, no, they're all, they're all three under consideration right now, you know, in regards to where, where they're at. So we'll just have to kind of see Hub uh, the next couple of days where they're all at. Um, we know where Nick's at health-wise, but we just want to keep an eye on, on Justin and Andy. And then for us to, uh, to, to stay on that and, and make sure that, uh, that we have a plan for any of those. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> 1.1 yards per play, one passing yard, nine sacks of Justin Fields, after which Miles Garrett was like, oh, I thought they'd have had him on a move a little bit more. We were a little surprised. Um, as we welcome in Charles Robinson, hey, Michael, have you ever watched um, Dear White People on Netflix? Charles, you ever watched Dear White People yeah, on I Netflix? Saw I saw it when it came no, out. I know what it yeah, is. I, I never saw it, though. Hmm, I didn't see it. It's incredible. I binge watched volume four this past week, uh, weekend. And there's a scene where Reggie, uh, he's like the tech guy, right? He has an app and he's hesitant to publish the app. And he explains, he's like, right now it could be perfect. I'm in this potential space. It could be perfect. But once I publish it, once it goes live, then it's open to criticism. Then there's investor meetings. Then it could be a mistake. He's like, but right now it's perfect. And I say that, Charles, to say all the talk about how, like, oh, you know, when you play a rookie quarterback, it buys the next staff, it buys that staff, that administration, more time, you know, when you play a rookie. So you should play Justin Fields sooner rather than later. That assumes that Justin Fields, in this case, actually shows some kind of progress and actually looks good under your coaching. Because if he doesn't, then the next guy gets to come in and fix your mistake. So my point is, I know it's one game, and it's a ferocious pass rush with Cleveland, but right now, with Matt Nagy and what he's talking about, what did he say the other day? Um, you know, oh, he's showing us things that we didn't see before in practice. Well, maybe because he wasn't running with the ones. Any concern about Justin Fields, albeit after one start? 
I would say that there's concern for anybody playing behind that offensive line. Um, I didn't think the line played well. I didn't think from what I saw, I saw about half the game. Uh, I, I watched a you know, portion of it yesterday. I saw up until about halftime today, and I saw some snippets of the second half. I didn't think they schemed it particularly well against Cleveland's defensive line. I mean, there were literally, I must have counted four or five snaps where Miles Garrett was singled up. Why? Like, why right now, like, that is not the guy ever to single right. up, okay? Single up no. Clowney, <laughs> you know, like, single up uh, Tech McKinley, Malik McDowell. Like, you make sure you got two sets of hands, if not three, on Miles Garrett at all times. Um, that was yeah. a massive problem. But, I, you know, I think um, Fields looked tremendously indecisive from what I could see. And, and I think that um, what was interesting, too, was – I think seven of his sacks, I saw a stat this morning that seven of his sacks were he held the ball four and a half seconds or longer. Can't do that in the NFL, okay? Like all these rookie quarterbacks, yeah, you better run. You better run. Uh, Like if you you get to three seconds and you're not making that decision right then, you better be gone. Um, And I think a lot of the rookie quarterbacks actually are learning that. You know, um, Zach Wilson, I think, is having that problem. I think Mac Jones at times has had that problem, holding it a little too long. so I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to lose my mind here, but I tried to tell people, and I think we even talked about it on the show when, when Denver fans were losing their minds about passing on him and the Broncos were getting killed for passing on him. And then, you know, Bears fans were putting him in the hall of fame and, and we were all simultaneously, you know, murdering Jamar Chase for dropping like three passes. The preseason doesn't matter. <laughs> like it does not matter. Yeah. Like you don't, you're seeing vanilla crap. We're not – we can't make these sweeping judgments about someone's talent, particularly a rookie, in a preseason snapshot. So, um, I, you know, I think Fields is – we're seeing rookie quarterbacks start to – or they're experiencing the wall that historically we used to expect. Hey, the rookies weren't going to come yeah. in and flourish at the position. We got spoiled for a number of years. I mean, right. there's been like this run of like three or four years where rookies have come in and there's always been one or two guys who have popped. And now we're having the class where, hey, everybody looks like everybody's getting a little bit of a reality check. The fir- yeah, the first round guy is Michael Holly, one in nine uh, so far. Uh, and at one is Mac Jones over uh, Zach Wilson. All yeah, right, and even well, Mac look, Jones. Fellas, I, mean, get, I was yeah. just going to say, even Mac Jones. Well, let's had, get to had, the other side of it, though. Go ahead, Charles. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Let's get the other side of it. No, I was going to say, let's get to the other side of those rookie quarterbacks, a couple of them. Uh, on the other side of, of Justin Fields, you got a 2 and one Browns team. Uh, on the other side of Zach Wilson, you have a 3-0 and Broncos team. So I, I know it's easy to say, well, yeah, you know, it's great to look uh, good on defense when you're facing Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, guys that don't really know what they're doing yet. Do you believe in either one of those teams, Charles? Yeah, I believe. Well, I definitely believe in the Browns. I mean, the Browns are true to their identity. They're a running football team. You know, I think they've stuck to that. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. getting back in and playing, you know, solidly productive first game back. That's good. That's a positive. They need – they can't have he and Landry both out. That limits too much of the passing game. Um, but I think defensively, people better wake up to what the Browns are because they they accrued a lot of talent on defense in the offseason on every single level of that defense, by the way, whether it was draft picks or the secondary – or, or the, the defensive line. And, and then they go and they get a guy who I talked about earlier um, 
in a previous episode, Malik McDowell, who's probably going to be one of the most double-team defensive tackles um, in the league this year when you break down the statistics. Like, he may not put up monster numbers, but he's drawing consistent double-teams when he's playing for the Cleveland Browns. That's a guy that was a, 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 like a nothing pickup. They had no idea they were going to get anything out of him, and now he's their starting defensive tackle. Um, and, and it's also part of why Miles Garrett is getting singled up and Jadavian Clowney is getting singled up because you now have a rotation from the Browns, a defensive line rotation where teams are going, we can't do this. Like, we have to throw double teams, but we, we actually now are requiring two or three guys who might require double teams on the defensive line, and we just can't do that. Um, so that Browns defense to me is definitely for real. And Denver, when I went through Denver in training camp, I didn't know how to feel about the offense because I wasn't sure who the quarterback was going to be. But the defense was legit. I had no problems with that de- defense, particularly the secondary is one of the best secondaries in the league. Patrick Sertain Jr. Uh, at, at, that they took in the draft over Justin Fields, the Broncos, he's been fantastic. He's probably going to be a, a all-pro caliber player eventually in this league. So um, I don't have any problem. I think those are both you know good teams. Now the Broncos, I will say this about the Broncos, they – We'll see now. They play Baltimore. I think the the schedule has been kind to them through three games. Now they play the Baltimore Ravens, which up and down Baltimore team, but I think you 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 cannot question that this is the best team that they've played on their schedule now. We're going to find out what they're about. I'm going to tell you who the schedule is not kind to. Um, at Packers, home against the Broncos, home against the Seahawks, at those Browns, that's the next four games for the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, who got handled by the Bengals yesterday. Ben Roethlisberger, yeah. new set of circumstances, new situation, but he looks old and he's hurt. Uh, I can't help but watch Malik Willis at Liberty ball out the other night against Syracuse and think, all right, that could be, uh, he's going to go pretty high. Maybe that's the next Pittsburgh quarterback. Who the hell knows? Uh, hopefully Kevin Colbert and his scouting staff were there watching him. How concerned are they in the building and also, what are you hearing from uh, from your sources about how Ben Roethlisberger in particular looks, but really that offense in general, first-round running back, last-ranked run game? Well, the, the line is destroying the continuity of the offense. They're having hellacious problems with the offensive line. And, and, you know, not only can they not get the running game going largely because of the line, they can't get Ben going at least partially because of the line. I think the problem with Ben is even when he has had some time, He's taking a lot of short stuff, which leads me to wonder how is his arm hurting? Is his elbow hurting? He's if he checked down. He, he, he checked. He's throwing some bad picks. He checked down on you know fourth and ten, which some people were saying was a planned play, but he swings it to the running back, you know, Najee Harris. Not a good plan. Uh, no, not a good plan. Six yards behind the line of scrimmage, you know, when you're fourth and ten, not a not a way to pick up a first down. So I think there's concern. I think this is personally, I believe this is the last year we're going to see Ben in Pittsburgh. They, they tried, you know, to put it together one last time on the cheap in terms of his salary and it has not gone well, by the way, TJ Watt not being on that defense. It, it shows like it's that defense completely changed when TJ Watt went off the field with an injury. And yeah. is there, is there a way to look uh, TJ Watt? He, he held in. We know that he got his contract, but is there any kind of uh, second guessing there? Like, well, Hey, the guy gets hurt because you know, he wasn't really uh, in shape, and he goes right into game one. Do uh, you think that is a, a fair way to look at T.J. Watt's situation, or is it just, hey, it's a coincidence, guys get hurt? 
welcome to you. Look, you got to pay it. You, you, if you hold in or you hold out or you do whatever, if you don't show up for something and then you get hurt, your staff, your coaching staff, although they might not say it publicly, they will correlate injuries to avail, you know, to your availability in the program, to you being in, in quote unquote football shape, especially soft tissue injuries. They equate to this person was not in the program doing the things on the field every day that we needed to be doing to get yourself to the point where you're not going to suffer soft tissue injury. So um, I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's every player who holds out or holds in should know that if an injury occurs after that, uh, there's going to be a strong correlation made inside the building too. Well, maybe if you'd been on the field, you know, during the off season, during training camp, when we wanted you there, you wouldn't have suffered this soft tissue injury. Hey, real quick before we let you go, Charles, uh, we talked about it earlier. You wrote about it on Yahoo. Uh, you did an instant analysis podcast uh, on it. You pod to win the game. Check it out on Yahoo. Uh, Matthew Stafford, three games, none of them in the playoffs, obviously. Um, but feels like, and I know you weren't too quick to pour on the love after week one, but after last night, as the headline suggests, you feel like this trade has been validated. Why is it working so well with Sean McVay? Real quick before we let you go. Well, he was clean in week, week one. Like, I, you know, he had, there were some circumstances where, you know, put up big numbers, but I think there were some mistakes across the ball where that helped him. But now we've seen it three weeks in a row. And the, the Brady-Tampa Bay game was a measuring stick game. It was like, okay, you go and you get Matt Stafford. When I talked to Sean McVay about getting Matt Stafford, we talked in July about it. He put it in terms of, we're getting this guy. We believe he's elite. We believe he's an MVP caliber player so that we get into the situations where we are facing elites, Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, whoever he was putting in that category. We now feel like the, the field is level, which means when the game goes wrong for our guy, he's going to be able to figure out a way to make it right. Those are his words. The elites make a wrong game or a wrong play right, which I think is what he saw Brady do. Brady had a, a hellacious game against him in the, in the Super Bowl in, in like a bad way, but when he needed to make it right, he made it right and beat the Rams when it counted, he and Gronkowski. So um, that's what they went and got Matt Stafford for, and I think through three games, he's been as clean as he can possibly be as a player at this point, and I think if he's, I hate to you know, get into the whole MVP thing early, but so goes our business. Through three games, he's part of the MVP conversation. Eddie will hey, be Charles. at the end. Appreciate you, brother. Hey, Charles, just real quick. You know who else had a bad game that Super Bowl? Sean McVay. Yeah, okay. he did. Well, he, like, get off Jared Goff. He was not good. Sean McVay wasn't great that game either. But And Sean McVay also admitted that, that uh, it was one of the most unbelievable admissions I'd ever had with a guy who lost the Super Bowl. He told me he realized mid-game, he had completely screwed up in the way that he prepared for Bill Belichick. He admitted it, just outright. He Man. said, I, I screwed yeah. up. Appreciate you, brother. We'll see you next week. Right, Thank guys. you so much. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. Hey, uh, all right. Hey, all Mike, right, uh, I hope you know, I yeah. hope you know I wasn't going to let you off the hook. I hope you know I wasn't going to let you off the hook. Don't, don't, don't think we will, don't, and Charles even mentioned it. Don't think we were going to talk about Bengal Steelers and now talk about a certain wide receiver that caught two touchdown passes and now has four in three games. I'm rooting for the kid. Remember this? Remember this? I'm oh, no, you don't get to. Let me cut to the sure. chase. They, gra- they drafted. a terrible point. Oh, I like that. They, I like that. They, I like that. They, that was good. They drafted the wrong guy. 
They should have drafted okay. Penny Sewell, All right. uh, a a sure. a historically great scouting wise, scouting wise, scouting wise. I just don't like. We don't know if it translates. It's scouting. Let's not turn this into some intellectual discussion about football and how to win at football. So if you got a quarterback who's broken right now and you see him on Instagram with a big-ass uh, brace on his leg, what happened? He was sacked 32 times before he was out for the season. I think it's probably intelligent to get him a really good left tackle. What do you think? I don't know. History's on my side. So all the, the ringer and everybody else, A, B to Cincinnati, I'm telling you, chances are Cincinnati got it wrong because they usually get it wrong. So I'm, I'm okay. good with it. And well, speaking if of, they didn't get it speaking wrong, of, I will go, yeah. I will fly into Kentucky, where the Cincinnati airport is, <laughs> drive across the river to Cincinnati, and stand there in front of Paul Brown Stadium. That's a shame that that stadium is named after the great Paul Brown. And say, I'm sorry to anybody who cares that I have slandered the Cincinnati. No, I, listen, I know what this is. This is, this, is, this is the Steelers fan and the Akron, Ohio native who has long thought this franchise was a joke. <laughs> hey, Jamar Chase, good for you. Good for you. This ain't about you. This ain't about you, Jamar. This is much bigger than you. It's not about LSU. It's not about drops. It's about the much larger tale of the Cincinnati Bengals since the great Paul Brown went on to glory. He's looking over the balcony of heaven right now saying that Michael Holly is right. Hey, it ain't about Jamar Chase. It's about what the Bengals are doing. Bang. Good win. These freezing cold takes, man. I'm glad he got I'm glad he got his touchdowns. It's about the Bengals. What about Chase? <laughs> I couldn't I'm, I'm trying just listen to me. Just listen to me, man. Just stick with me. I'm not gonna steal you wrong. Tom and I had a, you know, I feel like a good relationship and a, and a lot of production. Um, obviously, you know, while we were together, and um, I enjoyed coaching Tom, and and you know, he was a great player for us. Um, you know, Sunday night we we line up across from Tampa, and uh, not just him, but you know, the entire team. They're obviously a very good team, so you know, that's that's all about. You know, our team competing against Tampa's team. That's you know, like it is every every week. But there's guys on, on New Orleans and, you know, Chris Hogan. And, you know, there's guys every week that, that we've been on our team or guys that are on our team that have been on their team. And, and uh, you know, certainly Tom's a special player. I'm not trying to put him in the same category as, you know, a guy who was here for, you know, a year or something like that. But at the same time, it's... You, you compete against the team you're playing against, and that's you know that's what you do. Bill, over the course of you and Tom's time together, you said dozens of times that there was no quarterback you would rather have. When did that change? No, it never changed. So you wanted Tom to re-sign here after the 2019 season? Yeah, well, I think we've been through all the dynamics of that. There were a lot of things there that you know he you know he, he looked at his options and made his decision. And, we weren't as good an option as uh, Tampa, so 
I mean, you'd have to ask him about all that, but that's really it wasn't a question of not wanting him, that's for sure. You spoke on WEDI today about Tom Brady looking at his options, and he decided Tampa was a better option. Why weren't the Patriots a better option for him when both Robert Kraft and Brady himself said over and over how much they wanted him to finish his career here? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not going to go back and rehash all that. We've talked about that. Really, my focus right now is on the. Yeah, my us. focus is on the game here. And look, I have so much respect and appreciation for Tom and everything he did here, and for me and for our team. And uh, you know, we're just getting ready to compete against Tampa this week, and we're going to keep our focus on that. But you've never you talk about rehashing dynamics that you've already gone through. You've never done that. Yeah, uh, we we made a statement when Tom left, and that that covered it. You surprised how well he's played? He's thrown sixty-one touchdown passes in twenty-three games down there. Uh, One Super Bowl. Yeah, Tom's a great player. Nothing surprises me that he does. All right, Michael. Uh, I assure you, I am done for the day, telling you I told you so. Stafford, Chase, I'm done with that. All right. Um, now, my friend, I need you to tell me something. Tell me what is to be believed from what Bill Belichick had to say today. And by the way, Bill, only four more days of this. But what is to be believed from what Bill Belichick <laughs> had to say? What, or what is not <laughs> no, to be no. believed? Hey, first of all, it ain't only four more days. That's why he's so exasperated. This has been happening since Tom Brady left. So Tom Brady leaves. They go 7-9. and nine. While Tom Brady goes 11 and 5, they miss the playoffs. Brady gets into the playoffs. Here it comes. All on the road. Wins a road wild card game. Wins a road divisional playoff. Wins a road. Yeah, but he didn't have to do a press Then goes conference. to the crib. Yeah. He, he, look, we might have been it, it, questioning it, 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 but he was on Nantucket somewhere. He ain't had to do a press conference about it every yeah, day. I know. But he had to hear the chatter. His, his approval ratings mm-hmm. went down, 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 down as Tom Brady. Uh, continued to win. So look, uh, Brady got his seventh championship, and, and Belichick uh, missed the first uh, missed the playoffs for the first time in a dozen years. So it was a it was a pretty significant split screen that was going in New England last year, New England and Tampa Bay. What is to be believed? Well, this is complicated, but I'll just say this: if if Bill Belichick really wanted Tom Brady to stay in New England, there were ways to make that happen. Brady, once upon a time, our colleague Drew Brees got a two-year, $50 million contract. Not to put your money out, to put your uh, business out in the street, Drew. Um, and I wonder if Peacock is paying you that. And NBC's paying you that now, two years, $50 million. I don't know. But Drew Brees once got a two-year, $50 million deal from the New Orleans Saints. When the Saints gave out to Brees, Tom Brady went to the Patriots and was like, why don't you give a brother that? That's all I'm looking for. Two years, $50 million. The Patriots did not. They gave him a dressed up two year deal that was really a one year deal that he knew was going to make him a a free agent after the 2019 season. So I guess that's the first falsehood. We wanted him to stay not as much as you wanted him to stay, but not as much as he wanted to stay. Like to to make that happen, you got to sign him to that contract. Don't let him be a free agent. If you love him, don't let me don't let him go to free agency. So I guess Tom Brady is more right then Bill Belichick and the Patriots are right. 
That's one. Two, did you love him? Sure. But not enough to meet his demands. So one of the things, one of the things it takes to get Tom Brady on board is a multi-year contract and allowing his trainer, I'll be respectful today, Mike, allowing his trainer, his business partner, Alex Guerrero, the former masseuse, but now <laughs> a trainer and business partner, uh, to, to be in the locker room, to be around. But Bill Belichick really found Alex Guerrero to be distracting, annoying, uh, divisive. So he stripped him of all his privileges in Foxborough, and Tom Brady didn't like it. So to have Brady come back, you got to have Guerrero back. Belichick didn't want to do that. So now in Tampa, Brady gets everything he wants. He gets off days. He gets players. He gets his business partners around. He, he has no muzzle. No, hey, don't say that. No, no wag of the finger. Right. Are you doing that interview? Right. Oh, we'd rather you not do that. You got that project going on on the side? We'd rather you not do that. It's all open. So I, I guess it comes out of this. Well, they were together for 20 years. 20-year marriage, yeah. Mike. Last three years of the marriage, not great. Last three years, they did win a Super Bowl together in those last three years. But just overall, the spirit of the thing wasn't like, wasn't like it was in the first 17 years. Well, that, that's what's funny because, well, one thing, how soon we forget first half of last year when there were concerns about Bruce Arians mistreating Tom Brady in the media. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember that. Right. Uh, but here's Me the thing. Um, you remember, um, remember Scarface, classic movie? Of course. Al Pacino, Tony yes. Montana. Remember when Scarface, when he had the scene where he was high, and he's uh, embarrassing uh, That's Michelle a whole Pfeiffer. Movie. That's the whole movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's embarrassing, uh, embarrassing uh, Elvira Hancock. Uh, it, it, you know, yeah. embarrassing her in a restaurant. And then he makes a scene walking out. And he was like, you need people like me. So you could point your finger and say, there's the bad guy. Like, take a look at the bad guy. Say goodnight to the bad guy, right? But he also says, one mm. of my favorite lines, uh, he says, I always tell the truth, even when I lie. Belichick is the embodiment of always telling the truth even when he lies. So what I'm hearing from you and what I'm putting together, what I'm piecing together is that he's being truthful. He wanted Tom Brady, but only to a point. And the very thing that made them successful for 20 years, this is what Guerrero was talking about. You clowned him as being the masseuse, Michael, but this is why it was legitimate. He was unwilling to evolve. And you know this as well as I do. Belichick has always had a, a certain number of value that he assigns to a player. And to when it comes to the totality right. of his program, and whether it was giving him benefits, whether it was giving him so much money, he looked at Brady and said, nah, I'm not doing that. He's never made exceptions throughout his entire career. And he coached Brady the same way. Brady got coached hard like everybody else. And for 15 years, it was endearing. It was part of the Belichick mystique, the Belichick legend, the Patriot way. Well, you know, same with Pop and Tim Duncan. Nobody's above criticism. Nobody's above being called out in front of the team. When Belichick goes mistake, in front though? of the team, was well, to Guerrero's point, toward the end, it probably was and wore on, on Tom Brady. But point is, 
it worked for 20 years. Don't be surprised when Belichick decides not to make an exception for the first time ever and deviate right. from the way he right. does business when it comes to his football program. Secondly, it comes down to this. If you're Tom Brady, I, uh, look, <laughs> Chris Rock, a man is only as faithful as his options. Faithful as and his if you're options. Tom Brady right. and you are looking at the New England Patriots, not just financially, but also in terms of the supporting cast, which helped to make him look finished in 2019. But you look at Tampa with those receivers, frankly, that weather, that coach, that offensive line, that situation, that kind of freedom. Of course, you're saying, you know what? We're done here. I've done all I can here. I'm not satisfied. Maybe y'all are satisfied with six. Maybe y'all want to have a course correction or a market correction when it comes to the amount of money you spend. Maybe y'all have a transition right. year. Right. I ain't got time for a transition year. I'm trying to win seven. So it was the better superior option for him. And nobody has to be the bad guy in that. Again, going back to how we started Thank the you. show with blame. Nobody has to be the bad guy. It ran its course. You got six Super Bowls out of it. Should he have retired a Patriot? I guess. But that's it's rare that that happens. Typically, it just doesn't work out that way. Ask Montana. Ask Unitas. Ask Namath. I mean, very rarely is there an Aikman or Marino that finishes their career in one place or an Elway. That doesn't happen that way. So... Everybody went on. Unfortunately, the Patriots, though, are still trying to find their rebound person, whereas Brady is living happily ever after. So it kind of, it's an awkward situation when your ex comes back and she look even better than when you left her. Like, like damn, wait, you weren't, right. you weren't doing it like that when you left us. Like, what, what, you, what, you know, Brady coming back all glamorous and whatnot, looking good, got a tan down in Florida, you know. Exactly. Now you come back to New England. Oh, now. They can barely score. <laughs> I saw you had in your yeah. feet at the Patriots yeah. think that's what makes it painful is that they have not both gone on to bigger and better Brady's going on to bigger and better than what he left meanwhile the Patriots are still trying to find their way now and now now uh, not only do you uh, have a tan in better shape than you were uh, a few years ago now you got an engaging personality. You barely said boo when we were together. I couldn't get you to talk. Hey, come on now. You know, step right. into yourself. Now you step got into jokes. your gift. Now I can't shut you up. I see you on every commercial. You're doing Howard Stern, doing all kinds of stuff, all on the late night shows. What happened to you? But here's the thing, Mike. Um, this is a word for somebody, and it's a word. It was a word for for Tom Brady. I could be upset that Tom Brady didn't finish his career in New England after 20 years. So he's in, he stayed with his team longer than, as you mentioned, Marino did with his and Montana and Bradshaw and all the great quarterbacks. You name a great quarterback, Tom Brady was with New England longer than they were with their franchises. But you reach a point, if you're not, if you are feeling something else, you feel like I'm beyond this. And the machine, in this case, Bill Belichick says, no, this is the way I've always done it. It's all right. He can stay in his truth and you can flee to yours. And every and it, it doesn't matter. You're not wrong. He's not wrong. Okay. We had a great time together. Six championships. See you later, Chief. I hope it works out for you. I'm going to go and what might be great somewhere else. Be great somewhere else. Go be great somewhere else. Yes, I am. 
Simple as that. You know that's my favorite. Hey, man, we only got four more I'm days of doing this. Got four more days. <laughs> Let's pace ourselves. Days. I hope that, you know, he really changes his mind uh, because, you know, uh, you know, if I didn't like playing with him, you know, I'm honest, I would, I would say it. Uh, but I do love playing with him because he, he adds, you know, so much to our team. Uh, you know, we've been building this thing around us. Right. Like, it's not, I don't say it as like, this is my team. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. I understand, you know, being in trade rumors and all that stuff. Like, but that's just part of the business. Uh, if, I don't know, uh, Golden State came and, and offered Steph and Clay for me, you think the Sixers would say no to that? They got to say yes to that. I, I, I will say yes to that because, I mean, how do you say no to that? So, because that's what they do. They're always going to find ways to get better. So you can't get mad at that. It's just the way it is. So presumably, I love Joel Embiid. That's what Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Danny Green would have said to Ben Simmons had he not rebuffed their attempt to travel to Los Angeles last week uh, to meet with Ben Simmons, spend time convincing him to commit to the season with them. But he was like, nah, I'm straight. Don't even waste your time. Don't waste the trip. Uh, so Ben Simmons has followed through on his commitment to not show up. Uh, media day was today. Um, and Ben Simmons was a no show, but who was there was Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So Keith, appreciate you joining us, man. Um, that was uh, a great comment uh, that we just played from Joel Embiid. Everything he says is great. Must be real fun covering him. I would love to know the most interesting thing that anybody said that you heard, given all you know, and all you listen to today, what was the most interesting thing to come out of media day as it relates to Ben Simmons? As it relates to, to Ben Simmons, I, I think when Tobias Harris said, if he would have known that it would have come to this, right, the day after the game, he would have pulled all his teammates together and they would have went to, went to Ben's house and then just have a talk, right, about this. Because he says it was about a lot of guys, you know, being – you know, like looking in the mirror, saying like Ben wasn't the only one. Other guys made mistakes. You know, initially, you know, you he thought that, you know, after this, everything was good. But they regret basically not going over to Ben's house the day after the game just to, you know, make sure none of this would have happened. You know, that's that's really interesting from some from, from Tobias Harris and it's generous, uh, Keith that he would say that, but that's not really his job. It's the job of the 76ers management, you know, front office, Daryl Morey, uh, uh, Doc Rivers, to know what the temperature is and what's happening. So I, I'm just, I'd like to hear your perspective because when I heard Doc come out, and I love Doc, and Mike knows that, I love hearing Doc talk and uh, history with him in Boston. When he went on his tour, his podcast tour, I'm like, Doc, this is the biggest bunch of BS I have ever heard. Like, dude, are you really trying to say you didn't say this? Are you trying to pass this off as legitimate? I, I'd just like to know from you covering the team, how did you interpret Doc's actions uh, the last week, week and a half? You know, I, I thought it was a little like, uh, let me blame someone else for saying what I said. Now, here's the thing. 
when Doc initially said it, it was one of those things where people said, okay, he gave an honest answer to something. And it just seemed like he was trying to, you know, back himself out of it. And, you know, a lot of people in Philadelphia took exception to it. Some, a lot of people in the media. And it led to the guy who asked the question writing a follow-up story where he doubled down. Now, the one thing that I will add, y'all, is, you know, today that was interesting because the first question, of course, was about that, about, you know, what Doc said. And the thing that stood out to me was when they were, when Doc was asked, why did he think, why does he think that Ben doesn't want to come back? He said, because this is a tough place to play. You know, and to me, that's when we're talking about the fans. No one talked about how the comments that were said, you know, how that affected them. Because to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. those comments was kind of like the last straw for Ben, where he felt like he was thrown under the bus. Now, the fans thing is true. The people in Philadelphia were harsh on him. But I felt like Ben felt like, yo, y'all threw me under the bus. Nobody, like, reached out to say, hey, this is what we meant. You know, we didn't, we really love you. Like you said, it's not Tobias's job. And to me, the fact that even today people are talking about this is a tough place to play as opposed to the front office and the coach saying, look, we're sorry. You know, to me, that's why Ben's not here. That's why Ben wants out mm-hmm. because he felt like they right. threw him under the bus. What they also perpetuating implied in this is a tough place to play is he can, Ben he can't, can't handle, handle the kitchen. Right. He can't take the heat, so he got to get out of the kitchen. It's funny. I'm smiling while, while you're talking, Keith, because and Michael likes to joke. Michael Holly likes to joke that Doc Rivers is our, our 44th and a half president. And I hope nobody in Philadelphia takes offense to this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And obviously, our country would be in a different state if not for Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. So shout out to Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Shout out. But in this context, in this context, Doc Rivers is Donald Trump. And by that, I mean this. Doc clearly does not understand or doesn't care about the power of his words. Because when you, Doc, say, rightfully so, understandably so, that you don't know if Ben Simmons is a point guard on the championship team, your constituents, your supporters, your fans are taking their cues from you. So I say all that to say, Keith, is it just too far gone? And when will the Sixers realize that no matter how much they want to sweet talk Ben now, even if Ben were to reverse course, it doesn't feel like he could ever come back to Philadelphia. Yeah, I think it's too far gone. Now, the one thing I will say about Doc, I will say this about Doc. Like, there were times where Doc went out of his way to support Mm -hmm. Ben to the point where he's like, come on, Doc, man, you can't be real. Like, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, come on, Doc. And, like, I think this one time, this one time, you know how they say sometimes you need that cooling off period before you say something? I think Doc didn't get the cooling off period. Like, you know what I mean? I think that when they asked him that question, that was the first time that he kept it 100, so to speak, right? What, what they said, think, a, dr- a drunk man, a drunk man speak a sober man's words and an angry man, <laughs> right? So yeah. in that moment, that filter wasn't on. 
It, yeah, it was on. And then the next day, like, and he said it today. He says, well, and he looked right at me, and I'm like, oh, Lord. But he says, remember, the next day I said this. And I was like, yeah, you did. But, but I, I didn't want to be a part of that conversation. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, it was one of those things where he said that. And But I do kind of feel – now, y'all, I'm from Philly. So, you know, y'all – I mean, everything y'all saying is true, right? But the thing is, even before Doc said that, said those words, now, it kind of – it kind of, like, stamped it. But even before he said that, mm-hmm. people forget. They were throwing bottles on the floor. You know, people outside yes. was burning the jerseys. People were done with They've been frustrated Center. with him for Just years. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it, it's one of those things where you look at him, you see how big, how fast, and how strong he is. And the one thing that he doesn't do to them is he doesn't shoot the ball. And then he struggles from the foul line. So, you know, it is it's one of those things where – Rightly or wrong or not, some people are like, man, if I was 6'10 doing this, I would do this, I would do that. And I just think that, you know, people get frustrated with that. You know, now you did have some people who they call Ben apologists that whenever somebody criticized them, they's like, nah, but look at what he does defensively. You know, look at the team's record with him. But I just think on this particular day, even those people were saying, let's get him out of town. Let's get him out of town. Um, but, you know, this is a different era we're in. This is social media. Now, the one thing that I will say that's bad about this, and I feel bad about Doc, for Doc, is because, again, Doc Rivers was the one who was the most apolog- uh, Ben Simmons' biggest apologist all year. He came out with those comments, and it did upset Ben, and I understand that a lot, but it just seems like that is all Doc now. Like, all, all, there were some other people who said some stuff. There were some other people who didn't want them, you know, things like that. But right about now, it's like all on Doc Rivers. You know what I mean? Because his words carry the most weight. He's the, yeah, he, he, is the, he is the, he is the, he was brought, Doc, Doc talks better than anybody. Say what you want yeah. about his X's and O's, his out of bounds, his in game strategy, his, his <laughs> collapses in the playoffs. If one thing Doc knew how to do is pick his words. And you're yeah. right. Doc oh, has yeah, kicked right. up for Ben Simmons the whole time, telling people that they didn't know basketball if they didn't exactly. understand Ben Simmons' value. But when it came time at the moment when – now I sound like I'm caping up for Ben Simmons. Damn it. That ain't what I'm I, here to I, do. I, I, what I'm, I'm saying, I'm though, dude. is – I am. I'm right. Not, that's I'm, Michael Holly's job. Ben, that ain't the, my job. I'm the Simmons apologist. I was, I was I, a, <laughs> Keith, I wanted Ben up out of that before game seven. But when it came time, all of this stuff about Ben Simmons that they're saying publicly now, as I said to Michael the other day, to cool Stevie Wonder, right, Michael, where were you when I needed you last winter? Not just go yeah, to his house, right. but they could have all been up front and center with this PR campaign right after that game saying Ben's our guy. It's not just on Ben because they all knew that everybody was coming for Ben Simmons, right, Michael? Yeah, definitely. I, 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 this is all, one thing I would ask you, Keith. Okay. When I thought about the process, the process is Embiid, and then you had the number one pick, you got Ben Simmons, waited a year for him, the whole thing. With Ben Simmons out of the mix, I'm just, I'm just going to say he's going to be gone, he's going to be traded, he's not coming back. What does this mean for the process? Are we restarting? Do you look at the Sixers as being in a championship window? Like, where are they without Simmons? How do you see him? Yeah, the reason why I laughed initially is because whenever I talk about the process, 
some people within the organization gets up, they get upset with me, especially over this. But I'm gonna have to keep it w- w- real again. Ain't no Sam Hinkie right stuff. Here, they, they they hate no yeah, Sam Hinkie. Well, no, right hate now, no Sam. with this, if with, with this whole Ben Simmons stuff, and people are gonna get upset with me by saying it, but this is the process was a failure, man. Like it is it, blown up. Like you can't start over. You can do whatever you want, but when you look at the process now. Right. And you talk about it. They did all this tanking and did everything they had. And yes, you picked up Tobias Harris. You got Danny Green. You did yada yada. But the only two superstars that you have are Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons is about to go out the door. Right. So unless you can get Dame Lillard, which it probably won't be able to get, then you have to say all you have that you can put your hat on. Is 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 Joel and B, and that's not an and like you got Tobias too. But what I'm talking about as far as a perennial All Star, like a All NBA type player, right? That's all. And what this does is it pushes them back. Like you know, as much as today everyone was talking about, yeah, we got a great team, we're excited, we're this and that. It's like when you look at it, you look at teams like Chicago, you look at teams like Miami. You look at even the Boston Celtics, you know, of course, Brooklyn and, and, and Milwaukee. We don't even know who's going to be the Sixers starting point guard. While all these teams, these players were together, you know, doing informal workouts. We know the guys get together and do these runs. They're in training camp. They're doing all this other stuff. Like Doc was saying, hey, we were I didn't have to teach anything. Well, you're going to have to teach something when a new person comes in after you trade, Ben. Right. So. To me, this is a huge setback for the 76ers. Like, I can't go in there and, like, some people saying, whoa, they're going to contend for the Eastern Conference title. How can you say that and you don't even know who's going to be on the team? So, like, in regards to the process, this was a huge setback. And at the end of the day, you have to say that if this is what is going to end, how it's going to end, you have to say the process was a failure. Last thing before we let you go, man, and to your point about Damian Lillard, Neil O'Shea, the GM of the Blazers, said that Damian Lillard is, quote, fired up to be here and that the Blazers will, quote, will never be receptive to moving Dame. Um, so last thing, if Simmons is dug in, so much so that he ain't trying to speak to his teammates, do you know of a trade that is there to be made or, or do we just get comfortable with limbo for a little while longer or a lot longer as the case may be? You know, as I said, like before, I think I said this the last time I was on there. Like, to me, I think that the best bet for the 76ers right now would go to Portland, but not for Dane, but for CJ, right? I mean, I, I think when you look at CJ, you know, you see now, you, you see CJ, they can be a, they can have a great two-man game with him and Embiid, and then you can implement Tobias and, and do things, and you get some other shooters around them. I think that's the best bet. But if I'm the Sixers, like they said, you know, CJ, um, Robert Covington, and a first-round pick, two first-round picks, I would have to bring Covington back on the defensive end, right? Now, the only thing is the two guards, uh, uh, Seth Curry and, 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 and CJ McCollum, like they're, they're probably going to get destroyed on the defensive end. But outside of that, I don't see anything out there that I would say, you know, right now, this is a move that I would make because basically you're, you're all you're saying is 
I'm going to get these guys in here with Embiid, and I'm going to look Embiid in the eyes after I just gave him a 196 and said, hey, look, this is just going to be an off year. We make it to the playoffs. We get out of the first round. We yay, yay, yay. But we're not going to have anything to where we're going to win a championship, right? So to me, if I can't get anything else, like Dane, I'm going after CJ. That's the guy that I'm going after. Hey, man, we appreciate you. I know it's been a crazy busy day. Uh, Come back again soon, man. This story, every day is something new. It's a new twist. Keith Pompey, Philadelphia Choir. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. All right, bro. Good job. Hey, Mike, um, before we uh, before we go hit this break, man, um, you got any any other thoughts that that come to mind hearing uh, Keith or even from the original story from the weekend and into today that the teammates wanted to go holler at him and he was like, nah, I don't even bother. I'm straight. Ain't nothing to talk about. That's the thing, Mike. That's the thing that stands out to me. Ooh, that's surprising because the teammates. Is it? They're just trying to come. No, it's surprising that he wouldn't even let him come out. Like I can say, I can say, I can say no. If you're coming out with, if you're trying to come out with Doc, you're trying to come out with Daryl Morey. If you got these talking points, okay, stay at home. But we're boys. I thought my fellas just want to come out and talk to you. No, no. I'm a, look. Uh, I mean, I'm not, not surprised. Look, look, listen. Well, number one, number one. This is this is what this is what puzzles me. This is what actually puzzles me at this point when it comes to the Sixers and Ben Simmons. And this is why, again, I go back to what I said to, to Vinny the other day, how they just, they're, they're the embodiment of his cheaper to keeper, okay? Because yeah. all of them, whether it's Embiid, whether it was Tobias, like, or if I'd have known it was this bad, we would have had a meeting. Yo, man, it was always this bad. Like, how did you not know it was this bad? And you saw the trade rumors. You heard right. the trade rumors. But they all thought he'd right. be gone by now, which is, again, why I point to Daryl Morey. They didn't think they needed to smooth anything over because they didn't think it would get to this. It didn't have to get yeah, here Morey if Daryl Morey would have right. pulled the trigger on a reasonable trade by now. But since it is here, they all want to say the right things about how they can win with him. Well, yeah, if you compare him playing with him to playing without the how out him the alternative then of course you want Ben Simmons back now but when you had the opportunity to clean up on aisle six you passed and it festered but here's why I'm not surprised that Ben said don't waste your money don't waste your time if I'm Ben Simmons I don't want to hear from my teammates and it's not personal it's business just like the Sixers are doing what they got to do from a business standpoint which is looking to upgrade from me it's business because I don't want to hear you come and try to convince me to come back fellas if y'all want to come Michael oh Man, I'm on a roll with these, if I may say so, with these movie references. Maybe it's because I just saw okay, a, a Robert Downey Jr., Tony Stark gif. It's like, it's like when the Avengers went to see Tony Stark. And they were like, hey, Pre- quantum Avengers. physics. Not Avengers. Yes. No, 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 no. No, when he was living alone in the woods with Pepper right. and Morgan. Yeah. And he was like, look, you yeah. want to talk about anything else? There's plenty of room at the table for lunch. But sorry, Cap. I got my second chance right here. I'm not interested in trying to go back and undo this. I, I'm so glad to see y'all, but I'm not here to talk about trying to do time travel. Okay, I'm not here to talk about that. Likewise, right. as much as Ben Simmons may like his future? teammates, we're talking Back to the Future, right? Exactly. It was like, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, Scott. Did you just quote Back to the Future to me just now? It's like you know, because quantum fluctuation messes with the. Oh, I forgot it. I always knew that. But anyway, point being is that <laughs> if, if if they want to talk to him about coming back. Messes with the plank, the plank scale. What is it? The plank scale. 
which triggers the Deutsch proposition. Can we at least agree on that? Anyway, uh, I, I was going to get that out. Pretty good. Point being, that's pretty good. If they want to go to talk to him about coming back, then there's nothing to talk about. There's absolutely nothing to talk about. And that's why I understand Ben Simmons being rude to his teammates and saying, don't bother because I'm not trying to be convinced. And this is, oh, this is what I was going to say. The thing that trips me out is that if you are the Sixers, if he was mind effed before, what do you think he is now? You, why are you trying to bring him back? Like, let him go. Let him be great somewhere else. Let's go to break. Uh, yeah. James Harden uh, has some stuff to say about your favorite team, the Brooklyn Nets. And then, Michael, on the other side, the reason I'm rushing the break, we ain't even getting into this Kyrie Irving stuff, man. We got to talk about right. this heavy Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins, and anti-vaccine movement within the NBA. We got to touch on that before the show's over. NBA and society at large. It's deep, man. Yep. James, the last year you told us several times that scary times are ahead. Do you still believe that, or is it a different model this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's even scarier. <laughs> um, it's even scarier, man, just because of the, some of the pieces that we added to this team. Um, you know, where there's times where throughout the course of a game, you know, you got you got guys that have been battle tested that you can trust, um, you know, that you can go to war with. Not saying that we didn't have that last year, but um, you know, we I think for us it's even more confidence. Now we just got to instill those uh, principles and that mindset in training camp and kind of build on that every single day. Um, you know, we need to use this this, this preseason um, like regular season games and, and approach it like that. We can only presume that you're not joining us right now because of vaccination. I'm curious, is that accurate? And if so, uh, or do you expect to be either vaccinated or compliant in time by the time you guys come back from L.A. after that postseason game, after the preseason game? Yeah, no, Brian, I appreciate your questions, bro. Honestly, I, I like to keep that stuff private, man. I'm a, I'm a human being first and obviously living in this public sphere. Um, it's just a lot of questions about what's going on and you know, in the world of, of Kyrie. And, and I think I, I just uh, would love to just keep that private and, um, you know, handle it the right way with uh, my team and uh, go forward uh, together uh, with, with a plan. So, you know, obviously I'm not able to be present there today, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm putting any limits on the future of me being uh, able to join the team. And I just want to keep it that way. So we can keep that private. And if anybody has any further questions about that, please, it would be the same response. I would like to keep that private. Um, and just please respect that. Understanding you want to keep this private. And I do think that I do think there's, you know, people should have privacy to a certain extent. But uh, people are speculating about certain stances you have and that you're not going to be available to your team and that kind of thing. And just why don't you want to clear that up to some extent? Yeah, please respect my privacy. Next question. Is in fans too. They they also want to know, not just us. Yeah. Next question. In the spirit of of not putting limitations on the future, do you expect to play in home games in New York, considering the the rules in the state? Again, I would like to keep all that private. Please just just respect my privacy. Like uh, all the questions, kind of leading into what's happening. You know, just please uh, everything will be released at at a due date. 
and uh, once we get this cleared up. But as of right now, just please respect my privacy regarding anything around home games, what's happening, vaccination. Please. All right, Mike. Uh, it's Kyrie Irving on the franchise in the NBA, the prohibitive favorites to win the NBA championship. I think Vegas thinks Brooklyn uh, has what it takes, and a lot of NBA fans just anecdotally believe the same thing. But uh, we've got vaccinations to talk about. And you see the headline, anti-vaxxers are trying to push around the league, uh, and it's working because the NBA, uh, unlike the NFL, uh, the NBA really doesn't have a strong vaccine mandate. Uh, NBA, NFL kind of has one. The NBA it's not is, one is a little looser. It's the same thing. No, to be honest with you, yeah, it's the same but, thing. I got, I got, I got point of the order. N- they both, they, they both the NFL put restricted prohibited. No, NFL no, not, no. Both pushy. players associated. You don't think so? Both players associations said no vaccine mandate, right? Both players, both situations right. have prohibitive restrictions, if you will, or make a lot of inconveniences for those who are unvaccinated. So both leagues have done what they, what they, as much as they can. And so instead of it being Cole Beasley, it's Kyrie Irving. I know you hate this. Well, no, you, you hate when it's called the Black League, but this is it's a players' league. And this, I think this is the difference, yeah, is that a Kyrie Irving yeah. with the stature that he has, realistically, what can you do if you can't find him, find him, excuse me, F-I-N-E, if you can't find him, if you can't punish him, exa- you're not going to peer pressure Kyrie Irving. You're not going to peer pressure conspiracy brother. Okay? So they're stuck like Chuck with this situation. And what pisses me off, Michael Holly, is one thing, your why can be private. Your status yeah. as unvaccinated is the farthest thing from private. It is a very public matter and it is a practical matter because if you're unvaccinated fool, you cannot play in home games. You can't play in California. So to go back where you started, Michael, if the Nets make it to the finals and play, oh, I don't know, the Lakers, a the healthy Lakers, Kyrie yeah. Irving could miss all seven games. Oh, see, not the Lakers. Well, um, if they play the Warriors, I'm sorry, they play the Warriors. They, they, they would, or is it California or is it just the Bay Area? I think it's just the Bay Area. I don't know if it's California. It's San Francisco. But yeah, New York has it. San Francisco. It's San Francisco. San Francisco. So they played the Warriors. Nice. Let's yeah. say it was Warriors Nets. You can miss all seven games. You understand what I'm getting at? It's like this is not something that you can just hide behind. It's personal or it's private. Same goes for Andrew Wiggins. Same goes for Bradley Beal. Like this is not, you can't just say it's personal and private and leave it at that. This is selfish if you're choosing not to do it because it has a ripple effect on your team and the NBA to make that's just in terms of your playing status to make no mention of the fact that you could be endangering others by not being vaccinated based on whatever belief system you want to hold on to. I got to tell you what, though, this thing is a lot deeper It's deeper than the NBA is deeper than Kyrie Irving or one person or five people uh, It's deeper than the NFL. This, this is really uh, the point we're at as Americans. I, I'm sure it's around the world, but I'm going to focus on the United States of America. And people are more dug in on this, on being either pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. I believe they're more dug in on this than they are on, uh, on politics, uh, than they are on mm-hmm. income inequality, uh, than they are on private school versus public school or any other uh, hot-button issue that makes people argue on both on, on opposite sides of the fence. The vaccine, the, your willingness to take it 
or your refusal to take it is the issue, is the deep divide in the U.S. The, right now. It's the defining so, issue of our thing. time. Here's the thing. There's nothing, there's nothing anybody can say. Adam Silver, can he can go to Bradley Beal's house. It's not going to change his mind. He can go to Kyrie Irving and say, do you know this? Do you know that? It doesn't matter. And so I, I think what I've finally, what I've finally decided to do is just back off of it. I'm going to back off of it. Because there's Again, nothing can I can do? say. There's nothing I can there's say. No there's research. nothing I can do. What? Everybody's talking about like, oh, well, research. You know what I, need, I need to do more research. What research do you need at this point? Well, here's what the thing. What, what's, this was so interesting. You, you're dug in. It changes so many conversations. And, and I, I, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we've had a lot of things in the last five years. They're not new. They've just kind of opened up things that have always been there. It was always there. We just, it, that canyon was always there. We just didn't pay attention to it because it was covered up. But you, you know what happened in November of 2016. That exposed a lot of things. And then uh, COVID sure. exposed even more things. And so now we have this window uh, in 2021 to some underlying issues that are now, that have now come up to the surface. And I'll say this. It makes it harder to be a journalist because you know, one of the things about journalism, and, and journalism has been under attack in the last five years, too, for obvious reasons. I go back to November 2016, where people are pointing, oh, that's fake, that's not real, that's fake, 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 fake. Sure. Now we're in a war. It's, the vaccine war is not a war over uh, medicine. It's a war over information. So if I sure. tell you my position on why I think you should do it, your counter, I already know it, your counter is, well, where'd you hear that? And if I say the CDC, you say, why do you believe the CDC? If I say the government, you say, why do you believe the government? So it's really a, well, a, a you war in... over. <laughs> yeah, it's a war over your belief why, why, system. Why is why is Kyrie Irving believing that there are microchips? Be, I mean, I'm starting to wonder if Kyrie Irving believes that the Democratic Party is, 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 is getting is involved in pedophilia and pizza shops and, and fixed elections. It's like, yo, man, like why is whatever information you're coming up on more reliable than the information that science scientists and epidemiologists actually yeah. have. But it's, it's like, so there's it's nothing else that he and others like him can be told. When you got people like Andrew Wiggins saying, it's none of your business. Why, he, he don't want to explain his side. It's none of your business. He said his back is definitely against the wall. I'm going to keep fighting for what I believe. What's right to one person isn't right to the other and vice versa. It's like, and, and uh, Jonathan Isaac, same thing in Orlando. Like at this point, the, the, the research and the hesitancy and the Tuskegee Institute or the Tuskegee experiment conversations, that was before the vaccine was rolled out. The vaccine is what it is. The numbers and the data are what they are. This isn't a matter of research and, find, and trying Says to who? be more comfortable with it. Says who? No, I'm saying like there's enough right. of us that, that have been guinea pigs. Says Who's facts. That? No, it's not says who. It Who's says that? facts. Big tech. What, 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 what facts? What's a fact? They're just see, determined. I mean, they're see, just determined the we just go round to go round against the grain. No, but it, but we can't go round and round. Like they're just determined to go against the grain. Period. They're just going against the grain. And this is the this is the blessing and the curse of being Kyrie Irving. Because I actually love and respect this about Kyrie Irving that he marches to his own drummer. But in this instance, you got to think about the rest of the band. 
And if you are who knew that we would be getting a snapshot of the 2021 season last playoffs when they play without injured Kyrie Irving. Well, they might as well get used to playing without Kyrie Irving. This is going to be a 30 something game guy or 41 game guy minus a, a, a few games in San Francisco in a Bay Area. It's like because I don't see how anybody is going to convince him that he's wrong on this, despite all the evidence to the right. contrary. And they all are getting to hide behind it's a personal choice or it's none of your business. Actually, it's all of our business. It's everybody well, invested in the this. NBA. It's your teammates' business. I do, I do uh, believe it or not, this is going to surprise you. I, ha I have respect for people who will tell you why they won't do it, whether I agree with them or not. I have respect for them who say, hey, I'm not doing it because X, Y, Z. But you're kind of hiding when you say it's none of your business or it's a personal choice. No, okay, it's a personal choice. Tell us about it. If you believe in it that much, tell us why you believe that. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, Bad Dirt. What makes Bad Dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like Bad Dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers.